You're listening to the second season of the study podcast with Dr. Paul Wegner on Genesis. Following up on our podcast last week in Genesis 3, we talked about the serpent. And this week we're talking about curses. So with me today is Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm your host, Tyler Sanders. And Dr. Wegner is going to give us the Hebrew word of the day. I know you're going to really like this one today. This word is only a curse four times. Okay. All right. And two of them are in the passage that we're going to deal with today. Okay. All right. So it's the word shuf. Shuf. Yep. Okay. And it means to, I, I believe it means to exert pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. If you'll look at these two passages, uh, he is going to suf your head mm. and you are going to suf his heel. Yeah. So the idea is, because biting and crushing are two different things. Yeah. But in actual fact, it means to exert pressure. The question is how much and on what? Yeah. So I think that's what the core idea is, is to exert pressure. And then it figures out, okay, on what it, the context will tell you mm. on what and how much. Yeah. So in this one, Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head and you will bruise him on the heel. The mm. NASB at least used the same word, yeah. bruise, to get it. but. It doesn't make sense in either of them, yeah. right? You're going to bruise his head. Why would you bruise a serpent's head? That would right. that would you, you know, just make him mad. Yeah. And why would he bruise your heel? That doesn't do any good either. Yeah. So I don't think that's really what it means. The other two occurrences, let me show you what they are. In Job nine seventeen, it says, "He bruises me, and uh, for he bruises me with a tempest." Okay, so so the tempest would be like a wind. And I doubt that he's going to hit him so hard yeah, with a... Like a physical wi- bruise. Yeah. yeah. So, so to exert pressure because of wind actually makes some sense, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, the second part, and he multiplies my wounds without cause. So it probably is Hebrew parallelism, but I think it's, it's getting at the exerting pressure by the wind, and then the wounds are still being yeah. multiplied by. Yeah. Okay. And then in Psalm uh, 139, This 11, is our fourth instance. Yeah. It says... Uh, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the night around me will be, uh, and the light around me will be night. So overwhelm could be like that darkness, oppressing him yeah. or uh, exerting pressure on him. So that's why I think the word actually makes sense to have have a means to exert pressure, and I think that's yeah. the best thing. Now in this, to exert pressure on the head, mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's a serpent, you're yeah, it would tr- be to death to, right? to crush him, right? Yeah. And then um, to exert pressure on the heel. I'm going to argue that this serpent in this one is a poisonous serpent, mm. and if it's poisonous, it would be to get the fangs, yeah. and exert pressure to get the fangs into the heel. Yeah. And and when it says it's heel, that means anything probably below the knee. So mm-hmm. it, it would probably mean point of contact, meaning that's what a serpent is going to attack because it's closest right. to it. Yeah. So so I think that's what the word means. Well, let me ask you something about this. Yeah. So uh, it seems like there's kind of a potential semantic range with this word. Yes. Do you feel like or is, is this functioning in a way that's like there's kind of a parallelism? In uh, what, ch- what verse is this? 315? This is 315, So yeah. this is in Genesis 315. So we have the same word twice. It's probably supposed to show yeah, yeah. kind of the back and forth, essentially, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But the context lets us know... Yeah, that it has a little different meaning in each one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. that's a, And that's a kind of how Hebrew words work. Mm-hmm. They have a range of meanings, but then you fit them into their context to see yeah. exactly what it's getting at. Yeah. Because so there probably... Maybe. There would be ways to just say, bite. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the choice was to go with this to probably reflect a little bit more of that 
yes. the back and forth. Maybe not equal, but that it's the uh, there's something about the opposing forces kind yeah, of being that's good. similar or something. Yeah. All right. So that's my key verse. And that one's actually yeah. going to be really important later when we start talking about it. Okay. Genesis 3 it explains where sin came from and why mankind no longer has an intimate relationship with God. Yeah. So that's kind of the big picture that we f- are going to fit these curses into. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Genesis 3, uh, 9 through 12 says this. Then the Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Mm. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave me to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Notice already he's blaming the wife and actually ultimately blaming God. You know, the, the wife you gave to be you with me. With, yeah, so yeah. it's really your fault I got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. That's sin nature popping up already. Yeah, yeah. And so I just thought that was that was good to see that. Yeah, it's the guilt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then verse 13 says, Then the Lord said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, uh, Because you have done this. Now, notice he doesn't ask the serpent, Why have you done this? Yeah. I'm afraid the serpent would have just said, Yeah, I did it. You know, right. and it's done. So, yeah. so I think what uh, he's, you know, God doesn't even go that way. He just says, okay, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle. So when it said, because you have done this, that shows culpability, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. Yeah. All right. Which cursed, that was a big, that was a big word last week. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think important word for this yeah. concept. Yeah. All right. Cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly, you will go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Up to there, I don't think there's hardly any question. It certainly looks like a serpent, um, hmm. other equated with other beasts of the field, um, crawling on your belly and all that. So that, that seems pretty clear. But then the next verse says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So is this only talking about a serpent and mankind have an animosity between each other or is it more? Hmm. And at this point... I think it's probably that serpent and mankind are going to have uh, animosity between each other, yeah. though it may take on more significance later on. I see. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and read the rest of the passage, because it, 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 and then we we'll, can discuss it. Yeah. But the next part will tell us. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. I Notice uh, the, uh, the New American Standard mm-hmm. has both words for pain there, but in Hebrew, those are different words. The oh. first one seems to emphasize more the physical aspect mm. of childbirth. The second one seems to be more the agony, the idea of emotional oh, pain. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. He's saying both areas of your life are going to be changed. Yeah. One, the physical aspect is going to be a lot harder to have children, and this is funny because this is the first time there's a ch- uh, even yeah, talked right, right, about. Right. So right. how did we, you know, what was it going to be like the first time? Well, we yeah. would never know. Yeah. Okay. And then this, um, then it says, um, yet your desire shall be for your husband and he, uh, and he will rule over you. We'll talk about that later in a minute, but yeah. there's interesting passage there. Yeah. Then at, uh, to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, notice there, 
that he's making a clear connection to what he did wrong, like a good father would make mm. sure a child knows why they're being punished. Sure, yeah. Here's God making sure he knows why he is being punished. Yeah, okay? like God making sure Adam knows. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I thought that was good. Yeah. All right. Um, and have listened to the uh, uh, voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat all the days of your life. All right. When we get now into the passage, this is all going to be, I think, really fun. It's a, it's a brilliant passage. A lot yeah, of debate very rich. on this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's look at verse 15 first. So I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and, uh, I'm sorry, between your seed and her seed. So what I've done is I've explained, okay, I've highlighted enmity because that's the the thing. And, and I think I told you last week that I think the enmity is between mankind and them. I don't know that it's coming from the serpent necessarily, mm. but it could be from mankind, all of the enmity yeah. is coming, but at least it's between them. And in Hebrew, yeah. that would probably be a concept they'd understand. Mm. Okay. Then the word seed is actually masculine in Hebrew. And so the, uh, her seed, and then it says, he shall bruise you on the head. Well, that, that would correspond grammatically how it should be. Yeah. In, in Hebrew, it's, it's only got masculine and feminine. Yeah. They don't have a neuter form. Mm. So it's taking the form that the, the, the noun is. The noun mm. is masculine, so yeah. it just picks that up. Yeah. Um, some th- in English, it would make it sound like it's saying there's a specific he, but because the seed, the word seed is collective, I see. it's picking up the he from that. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it, a lot of people have had you know, believe more about that word than I think what it initially means. What does that mean? Well, I think what they want to argue is that uh, her seed is going to be Christ. And then when it says he, he a specific I see. A person is going to do it, but it's just matching the grammar in Hebrew. Which would, in it being a collective noun, it's yeah. kind of saying a group. Yes. Like our word deer, we yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. deers, uh, yeah, we yeah, just yeah. say deer, and that's yeah. kind of what it's doing there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then he shall bruise you on the head. So we've got the rest of the passage that mm-hmm. we already talked about. Yeah. So we already talked about that God puts the enmity or hatred or animosity between them. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it's getting at. The seed is collective in Hebrew and masculine. So it fits both those categories that give us the he mm-hmm. in, the, in the rest of the translation. And then that bruise we talked about is occurring four times. And yeah. we looked at the range of possible meanings on yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Next, um, the head. Notice he's going to bruise you on the head. So that head is going to be point of contact. We're going to try to smash serpents' heads. And the heel is a point of contact. We're gonna, they're gonna try to bite our heel. Yeah. And in Hebrew, heel means anywhere from the kind of lower leg, yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. If Nahash, the word serpent there, mm-hmm. is poisonous, then they're both deadly wounds. Do yeah. you see that? Yeah. Because, um, because once again, people have looked at that and said, "Oh well, he bruises you on the head. That means it's going to be a lesser." damaging thing, but you will bruise him on the head. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they bruising on the head would be damn, you know, right. killing him and then bruising him on the heel. That's only a, 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 a little, uh, not something really yeah, A lesser wound or yeah. something. But, but if, if it's venomous. You know? Yeah. But if it's venomous, uh, then it's going to be both. Yeah. Right. Right. And what I think is interesting is when you look at these other passages, now this is the first time serpent is used, the word Nahash is used. Mm-hmm. But in the rest of them, it seems pretty clear that it's that it's poisonous. Like in Genesis 49, 17, 
Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path. See, there's the parallelism yeah. between it that bites the horse's heel so that the rider falls backwards. Mm. So it's a horse is afraid enough of, of him yeah. to run away. Yeah. So you'd think something's wrong with yeah, it. Yeah. All right, Exodus uh, 4, 3, and he says, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Right. So another thing that suggests... It's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Numbers um, 21, 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Hmm. Now, the word fiery is is put with the word nahash. Yeah. So it may suggest something like, um, you know, poisonous versus non-poisonous. Hmm. So that's possible. But I think the word fiery probably means uh, uh, like, Reflecting, you know, so oh, it yeah, seems yeah. like to me that I think it's more describing what the serpent looked like yeah, than, yeah. than that he's a poisonous serpent because I think Nahash would have already suggested that. Yeah. So I think, you know, because when you see snakes, they shine, you know, they, yeah, they have a sheen, sheen yeah. on them. I think that's what that's getting at. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. Another one, Psalm uh, 58 uh, 4, and they have met- venom like the venom of a serpent. And or, that's like a Nahash yeah. venom like. Yep. Now you have venom of a serpent. Yeah, um, I think I think it's just it's it's trying to explain what the mm. uh, thing. So it's in construct, but just trying to explain yeah. that it, this venom here is the venom of a serpent, yeah. like a deaf cobra that stops up his ear. So it's I think it's getting at uh, the context is saying they're both dangerous yeah. animals. Yeah. All right. Proverbs um, says, and and at last it bites like a serpent. It's talking about wine uh, and stings like a viper. Oh. So another one. Yeah. Jeremiah uh, 8, uh, 17. Behold, I'm sending serpents against you, adders which there is no charm, and they will bite you, declares the Lord. So adders and serpents are mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing, it sounds like. Yeah. And then Amos is the one I like. This is funny, I think. Um, as a, as when a, It's talking about the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord is going to get a man like when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him or goes home, leaves his hand on a wall, and a snake bites him. Yeah. So it's saying the day of the Lord is going to get you yeah. no matter what. Right. So I think... And, and an, important, an important thing here is like a lion, a bear, yeah. and the serpent are all kind of categorized at the same level. Yeah. As deadly. Yep. I, I, I would assume so, right? Yep. That's yeah. what I think it is. All right, so those that's my context to suggest that Nahash means a poisonous serpent. And so I think that's what this is getting at. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like that would make sense if there is kind of a parallel between using the same word or Hebrew word of the day. Yeah, for I, the for the contact both ways. I of. think so, yeah. So I think the so I think Genesis 3:15 makes perfect sense to mm. those reading them the minute you know, the Old Testament person heard it, that's what they would have thought of. Yeah. So uh, now I do need to tell you that there are three options on this. <laughs> so okay. why don't we go to them? One is that it's a messianic understanding. The seed of the woman refers to Messiah who overcomes Satan. So this and, is specifically the serpent's curse. Yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. is this is the most com- or quite a common view. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've all heard that one. Sure, yeah. All right, and then the general battle between good and evil, man's seed or evil, uh, Eve's seed, will be a constant battle with Satan or evil. Um, that's more symbolic. Yeah. Um, it may be behind it, but I think initially it probably didn't even have that connotation. Mm. Uh, then look at the last one, snakes versus humans. The passage emphasizes the conflict between snakes and humans following the curse. Now, some people have said, oh, that's trite. It doesn't even... It's not even very significant. But if you think about it, Eve and Adam had never 
had animosity between anything before. You know, they never had to fear anything because mm. they're in the Garden of Eden. So now that there's actually something out there that they have to be afraid of, and especially if that thing is a little crafty in the sense that yeah. they hide in the grass and, mm-hmm. and crawl around so that you don't see them right away, I could actually see why this would be a very big step in God's revelation about, okay, now that you've sinned, that serpent that tricked you is now going to be a constant threat to you. Right. So I actually think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, okay, so let's go through the evidence. Okay, yeah. Um, New Testament evidence seems to suggest, or to refer to Satan as a serpent. Yeah, we looked at that a little bit last week. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just going to show you the Romans passage, just like we said, uh, and God uh, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yeah. Okay. So the idea there is that's one of these. It, notice it's Romans talking about a future time. Mm-hmm. So it's not referring back to Genesis three fifteen. Yeah, but what people are connecting there is the crushing under yeah. the feet kind of thing. Yeah. That that's something that will happen and is a reference back. Well, or something like they that. They think that, but it sounds like to me it's more a future thing that Satan is yeah, going to yeah. be crushed under our feet. Yeah. Uh, okay, First Corinth or Second Corinthians eleven three. But I'm afraid lest the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray for, by the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So it seems like there it's it's an emphasis again on this serpent that deceived Eve. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the New Testament claiming it's a serpent that deceived Eve. So yeah. I think that actually helps my position. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Revelation twelve. Now this one I will give you. Uh, Nine says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Remember last week we talked about the context Mm -hmm. and the context seemed to be around the time of Jesus's birth. Yeah, yeah. And I was arguing that Satan was defeated at Satan's, at Christ's birth. Mm. And I think that's what this revelation passage is getting at. Yeah. But what I will give them is that um, it does look like Satan and the serpent of old and the devil are all linked together here. Yeah. And so I actually think that the Psalm, or I mean, the Genesis 3.15 took on further significance as mm-hmm. it went along in history. Yeah. And now it's pointing back to that serpent who was just as tricky as the person behind them, I would say, or else uh, Satan is just as tricky as that serpent. Now, let me ask you, yeah. because this is kind of a plug to your other podcast. Oh, Isaiah. okay. <laughs> is this kind of similar to your understanding of what it means to like fill up with meaning. Yes. That, that's kind of how you talk about the, the virgin birth, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, this is a little different in that I'm going to argue that this just has further significance. Okay. I would actually, on that, the meaning didn't change at all. Right. It was always talking about uh, a serpent biting a, a, a humankind, mm. but that this one now is going to take on new meaning once Jesus came to defeat Satan and all of that. So I think what's happened is a little different in that now this passage had a perfectly good meaning in its context, yeah. now has been applied to a, a new situation because new events have happened. Gotcha. So I think it's a little different. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then our last one, uh, oh, and I didn't even, I think it's Gen, uh, Revelation 20, 20, I think, or something like, yeah, 20. And, okay. and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, which uh, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So it's another context of linking together yeah. the two uh, the Satan and the serpent. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 
All right, so that's how I understand that. Um, the prime, oh, and their second line of argument is the primary seed of Mary is Jesus, and the primary seed of Satan is the son of perdition, like in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at that. Uh, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. I have no idea who that son of destruction is going to be. Hmm. Um, but I also don't know why back in the Genesis passage, why it would just link to one son of destruction and why it wouldn't be all of his seed. Um, I assume he's got more than just a son of destruction. I sure, assume he's right. got demons and stuff like that too. So I, it seems odd that it would only narrow it down to just one. Okay. Oh, and here's one of their best arguments. Her seed may refer to virgin birth because it occurs nowhere else in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And, and, that is interesting. Yeah. The problem with that is what they didn't... So that's the third uh, masculine, or third feminine singular suffix on the word seed, okay. her seed. Yeah. Well, what they didn't do is if they looked further and looked for second feminine singular forms on the word seed, like your seed yeah, yeah, yeah. in the feminine, yeah. you actually have those. And Hagar, just oh, interesting. in that uh, the, the, in Genesis 16, where Hagar is, yeah, yeah. It, it, in one of those passages, it talks about her seed. I think I have it here. Um, yeah. Um, so Genesis 16, uh, 10, moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your seed. Yeah. And it's a feminine your. Yeah. So, so... Now we've got a second one instead of only having one that says yeah. her seed. Now we've got your seed that's feminine. Yeah. So I think they just didn't do their homework very well, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> they just didn't look all the way. Yeah. All right. Christ is wounded by Satan, but Satan receives the crushing blow. I do understand that, and I can see how they get that from the context. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think they understand is I think the Nahash is poisonous. Right, right. So basically you're saying that... Uh, that so that perspective would depend on uh, that kind of different level of yeah, like that crushing the head is a more extreme yeah, yes, you know, or a complete kind of you know exertion of pressure or whatever you know we're gonna say the the word means versus like yeah a bite on the heel that isn't venomous right yeah that's now less I, severe yeah and I do understand that when they say that um, that that could fit that. So I, and, and remember, that's why I'm allowing for later on it to be read that way, hmm. uh, though I don't think initially it was intended to. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that I think that makes some sense. And then the Septuagint understood that this way. So I, really? wanted, I wanted to show you this. I actually argue that the Septuagint is um, the first clear translation that actually understands this passage messianically. That's fascinating. Yeah, and, and, but it's a difference because of the language, yeah. which is interesting. Okay, so when, it, when now you get to the he um, uh, between the, the woman and between your seed and her seed, mm-hmm. now when it says he, that is actually in the neuter, or in the masculine form and they actually have a neuter form. Yeah. And the word seed, sperma, is actually neuter. Right. So the Septuagint chose, instead of going the neuter, going the masculine route. Yeah. Now, it may still do it because of the collectiveness, but it would seem like it makes more sense that it's actually trying to, you know, you would have thought that would still match it. And yeah. it doesn't. Interesting. Yeah. That so, is fascinating. So I actually do think that by Septuagint time, they were understanding it as Messiah. Yeah. So and I, I don't have any problem with that because yeah. by that time, the, it's God's got further revelation, and now I think He wants them to understand that yeah, this is a picture 
Uh, yeah. You know, what happened in Genesis 3.15 is a picture of what Satan is going to do right. and what Christ will do to him. Right. So I have no idea, I have no problem with it now taking on that d- different nuance because God's further revelation. Yeah. So, that makes sense, yeah. At least that's how I understand it. All right. Now, against, there's hermeneutically no reason to think that Adam was thinking of this. Yeah. Because context wouldn't suggest that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there is a little problem is that why would you have a poisonous serpent in the Garden of Eden? Because hmm. in the Garden of Eden, why would, you know, <laughs> why would you have anything like that? And I'm, I, And I don't know the answer to that other than, Maybe that serpent came from outside the Garden of Eden and went into the garden mm. and, and to do this. Or maybe that serpent is poisonous, but he's never used it. You know, he's never yeah. at this point ever bit anything to kill it. You Look. know, that's not the way it, he does it at that point. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of that same question of kind of like what, how would a carnivorous animal yeah, yeah, it is. survive in the garden? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Because presumably any... Yeah. There would have been claws and teeth already on yep. animals, so what purpose would that have served? Yeah. So unless they develop later with, yeah, uh, yeah. I would call it microbio or microevolution, where small things can be modified. Yeah. Um, and that's possible. Tooth get, mm. teeth get bigger and stuff like that. And um, it could be. I, Interesting. I, I, that I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then the second one, where's the uh, victory in this verse if the snake is poisonous? And I would actually argue there isn't victory if the snake is poisonous. Both wounds are deadly. Yeah, I see. Okay. Okay. All right, general battle for good and evil. So this is the second understanding, or big picture kind of understanding. Okay, it's uh, for it, it's symbolic language is used elsewhere in this passage. And and they would argue like when the um, uh, eating, uh, the serpent is going to eat dust. The serpents technically don't really eat dust, but it's the idea of humiliation. So it's kind of a symbol. Um, And there's other places in there too that are more symbolic. And so I, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, serpent seed are the children of the evil one, uh, like um, all his all his people that obey him and stuff like that are would be his seed, I suppose. Mm. Uh, it, that's possible. I don't know that you have to go that route either. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Genesis four seven, it suggests that man's victory over evil. Remember, it says you have to um, um, you have to. Def- it, it says it's it's crouching at the door and oh, it's desired right, right, to right, have right. you. This is um. This yeah. is the context. This is a uh, um, yeah. When uh, Cain, Cain right. killed Abel, yeah. yeah, 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 and he says that sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, yeah. but you must conquer it. Yeah, I understand that. I don't think that's the context of what we're talking about now, yeah. but I understand what that's saying. I just yeah. don't f- think that's what this passage means. Okay, against it, simplest reading of the text would suggest that it's, you know, the serpents versus snakes, and not good and evil necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is the seed of the serpent? I would, instead of saying it's all the evil people, I would think demons and stuff like that. The so spiritual does, kind yeah, of realm. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, is there victory mentioned in this verse? So again, have the same problem as the first one. Where's the victory if it's, even if it's uh, symbolic? Yeah. Where's the victory here? Right, right, right. And, and maybe there is no victory. And so maybe that's not a problem. But hmm. again, I just don't know that that's what the passage is saying. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right, last one. All right. Uh, for it, the characteristics of a snake crawling, eating dust, et cetera, et cetera that, that's pretty clear. Um, enmity is a longstanding 
uh, hatred or something like that. Yeah. Um, now I've realized that not everyone hates snakes, but I would say a vast majority. Everyone should. <laughs> Well, and, and I think probably it's different for people that live in areas where they have to worry about them. Like if you lived oh, in man. Africa or the oh. jungles, and the, and at any moment a snake could get you. Let me tell you how true that is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> my wife is from Hawaii. Oh yeah. That famously has no snakes, and they're yeah. very careful about making sure no snakes. Yeah. Arrive there because they would obviously flourish in that kind of right. environment. Yeah. Like and in I, the Florida Everglades. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I grew up in Mississippi. <laughs> And there's snakes everywhere. And I, and she laughs at me when we see a snake because I, I react. If we're out walking or something and I see a snake, I, I just, I jump away. I yeah. hate, yeah. I hate them. And she, but I, I think she just doesn't, yeah. she's not afraid of it. But it's like, I grew up around them and like, you just know these little things can, yeah can kill you. And like, you don't, you, you might not even be able to see it, you know? Yeah. A good illustration. Ugh. That worked perfect. <laughs> Yeah, this right. has always rung very true to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it does not exist between men and other animals. It seems like... The enmity doesn't. Yeah. And it seems like it's more because of the possibility that they can sneak up on you. I think mm. that's probably part of the reason we hate snakes more than spiders or, um, you know, other things that are poisonous, but yeah, we yeah. aren't as worried about them. Yeah. So I think it's possible. Um, it also sounds like it reverses the paradise in Isaiah 11, uh, mm. 8. Because there, remember, um, uh, it's talking about a future time when a, a child is going to play by the hole of cobra and not be oh, worried. Oh, right. So, right. So I think at that point, it's making it so totally opposite of what it's like now. Yeah. So the sin will be gone, I'm sure. Interesting. And, yeah. and then when it says, um, the word in there, to suf, is is an imperfect form. And it's very possible imperfect can be either future or it can mean incomplete action, or it could also be iterative action, like it'll happen multiple times and, and it'll happen here and here and here and here, you know, so mm. long. And it's very possible that's what it's getting at. So the uh, soofing will be exerting pressure multiple times. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, against this, can animals have enmity? I tried to uh, alleviate that problem with saying the enmity is kind of between the animal uh, mm. the animal and, and mankind, and it could be coming all the way from mankind, but it's just an antagonism towards the Specifically, serpent. Yeah. Like, is there, are, are you asking if there's a... Or is, that, is the question against this kind of like, is there a specific enmity, yeah. enmity from a snake yeah. or serpent to... That's what I'm trying yeah, to get Yeah, at. yeah, yeah. So I don't know that the enmity comes from the serpent itself. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, this view makes the passage seem trite, and I'm going to, I argue, not really. It seems like to me, it's a totally shift from what they've had in the in the past, and so I think it is important. Yeah. And then not all people hate snakes, but obviously you've you've yeah. blown that one right out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a major point in the whole Indiana Jones series. Oh like, yeah, there I mean, go. come on, like yeah. we know this, like, and no one thinks he's weird for being afraid of snakes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right. Okay, let's look at this next one. In Genesis 16 and 17. Okay, right? so we're moving on from the curse of the yeah. serpent. So, yeah. Unless you had some questions on that serpent itself. No, no, that was good. That was good. Okay. All right. In 16, it says, the woman said, I will, uh, I will or this is, uh, he said, God said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. 
Um, we've talked about the increased pain and in, in, in both areas of mm-hmm. agony versus uh, physical pain, emotional oh, yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, it says your desire will be for your husband. My understanding, like now it's put in, in its Old Testament context. In the Old Testament, a woman gets married because she then would have a husband that would then provide a safety net for her. Remember, okay. um, yeah. the, actually, the husband or the father takes care of a, chi- uh, of yeah, a woman yeah, yeah. until yeah. she's old enough to get married, right. and then the husband should take care of her. Right. So that's kind of what the, uh, the wife should expect. Well, I, expect. I, uh, I think I was listening to Leviticus this morning, but there's even like if a, if a woman is you know uh, widowed, she may go back to her father's house, yeah. right? And kind of have that protection or the, the safety net around. That's right. right. Yeah. So, so as I understand this, what this means is her desire will be for her husband means her desire is, is normal. It's expected that she's going to have that desire to have a safety net or a protection hmm. from her husband. But then we've got, uh, and I think the and should be, but, but he will rule over you. Hmm. And I think that's because of the sin nature. So what she's expecting is that this husband will take care of her and provide for her. Instead, because of sin, it's going to have that tendency that he's going to try to usurp her and, and rule over her rather than provide the safety net she needs. Like an oppressive kind yeah. of way or something? Yeah, because the word clearly means to rule, and, yeah. it, and it clearly is the, the words that usually suggest... Um, uh, like a king ruling over his servants yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm thinking that's because of the corruption. Now, I would also say Christians should be the, uh, Christian men should be the one that are able to undo this curse as yeah. much as possible. Right. I think there'll still be that tendency, but I think that a, a, a Christian husband should love his wife like Christ loved the church, like it tells us in the New Testament. Yeah. So I think Christians are the ones should be able to to alleviate this as much as possible. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's what the curse for the woman is. Yeah. All right. Here's the curse for the male. Mm-hmm. And notice it's the longest one, which should suggest something too. And Adam said, I'm sorry, then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now, let me just stop there. Yeah. They lived in the garden. Yeah, in yeah. the garden, uh, they didn't ever have to work for food. You just go over and pull it off a tree, mm. right? Or mm. or whatever's growing around you. So they didn't have to worry about that. They were provided for. Yeah. Now it's not going to be that way. Both thorns and thistles, will uh, it, sh- uh, it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So now it's going to be hard work to live. Yeah, to cultivate okay. it, basically. Yeah, and by the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So remember the serpent saying, oh, you surely will not die? Yeah. That shows that he was clearly wrong. Right, right. So do you see, uh, well, let me just summarize the three things. The, the ground will be cursed, going to grow weeds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So growing plants is going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Um, uh, growing crops will take hard work. It said by the sweat of your face, yeah. you're going to be growing them. Mm-hmm. And you know, farmers have had real hard, like if the, if the weather um, is bad, the crops don't make it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it... Or you it, can over, you know... Water or feed or, or, or... Or if you... Yeah, you can take all the nutrients out of the soil yeah. by overworking it, yeah. basically. And yeah. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. So that's that's number two. And then number three, you are going to die. The serpent was wrong. Yeah. So I think, I think, again, those curses, 
they fit the they fit the what they did wrong so well mm. that it that it that it seems like to me you can tell God's a good father because he knows how to punish them in correspondence to what they did. Right. So and right. and each one of them made it real clear yeah. what the issue was. Which that's again, I know I keep talking about the Isaiah podcast, but yeah. that, <laughs> that that came up a lot too of like yeah. the kind of justness right. of God's punishment. And yeah. it, it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's our conclusions. The Hebrew word shuf can mean to uh, can refer to a snake bite as well as a smashing a serpent's head. Because mm-hmm. I've I've argued it's in that range of meaning to exert pressure. Yeah. Okay. The curses clearly seem to be upon the serpent or snake. We saw that crawling in his belly, yeah. eating dust and mm-hmm. stuff like that. If the serpent is poisonous, then they are both deadly wounds. Yeah. And I think initially that's how it was to be understood. Mm-hmm. All right, and there's room for progressive revelation in the understanding of Genesis three fifteen, mm-hmm. where even the Septuagint takes it to I think further and yeah. argue for a Messiah. Yeah. I also think New Testament helps enhance that once we know Jesus is coming yeah. and exactly what he's going to do to Satan. Yeah, yeah, and then the curses change all of life. I thought that yeah. was important. Yeah, yeah, you know what what was in the paradise is not going to be anymore. It's yeah. totally different now. Yeah. And let me ask you a question. Yeah. So when you're teaching this, let's say you're teaching this at like Sunday school at your yeah. your church, you know, yeah. you you're, you get to this passage. How do you approach something like this? Gently. Yeah. <laughs> because I think what I try to do is I do it in other passages too. I try to help them to see a progressive understanding of God's revelation mm-hmm. where he starts off with one thing and then starts developing it further and further and further. Yeah. So the more information he adds to it, the more clear it gets and yeah. stuff like that. So I actually think that that's how you deal with this and and then allow people to realize we're going to have different opinions. Mm. If if you don't agree with me, I can live with that. I just yeah. think this is what the text is saying. And in this context, it would make a lot of sense for that to happen. Yeah. But then just be gentle and yeah. realize that not everybody's going to agree. Yeah. And, and, and just realize also that almost always the first thing you hear about a passage, you're going to hold it until you've got really good reasons mm. not to. Yeah. And I think that's what happens, especially on something like this. Yeah. They've been told about the, um, they call it the, um, um, uh, uh, you know, um, I can't even remember what they call it right now. <laughs> the proto <laughs> evangelion. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they they have heard it so much that I, I think what happens is they just assume it's right. And so right. unless they get good arguments against it and they can understand it, mm-hmm. I think they'll hold that. Yeah. So and just realize that, and and I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> so be gentle with our people. Be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> That's I've always good. told you that sheep bite, and, <laughs> and so be really careful. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, hopefully that'll give us some understanding of that passage, and I think it's, yeah. it. We had it as one of our biblical issues because it's something everybody needs to know about. Yeah, and 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 I think it's it's very present. Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of people know about this. Right. You know, I mean, there's probably a lot in Genesis that people don't get to or don't hear sermons on or don't hear yeah. lessons on. But like the first few chapters, I mean, yeah. people get exposed to that a lot. And, and yeah. it is, it's, there's a lot of uh, complexity in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a new kind of concept of that progressive revelation that I think yeah. most people haven't really thought about. Right. So. Right. Well, okay. that's it. That's wonderful. <laughs> Do you have any ideas for what we should talk about next? I was wondering about if Nephilim should be the oh, next man. thing we talk about. We just keep going deeper, don't we? <laughs> that's great. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing this with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>